Thank you for joining me today. This is Colin Hamilton, Commodities Analyst at BMO Capital Markets. And welcome to our short Metals Matters podcast where we highlight the key things you need to know in global metals and mining this week. Greetings all. I'm aiming for quite a concise Metal Matters this week given I'm actually on vacation. Let's see how we do and let's start with China which is certainly a topic of discussion as always. Now, compared to most other nations in the world, China is doing just fine. Most key activity metrics remain positive and anything relating to the energy transition is going extremely well. However, the deflationary impulse that's flowing through the economy and, importantly, the lack of confidence in the property sector means we are now seeing some incremental policy support. I would say, though, this is not your father's stimulus. Whereas in the past there would have been some clear, bold messaging around economic and fiscal support, it seems as though the current approach is to drip-feed measures into the market. I've said before that the Chinese government is managing by rhetoric more and more, leaking potential policy out and hoping the market reaction means there's a head start on the policy response. Arguably this allows for steady market adjustment rather than the misallocation of capital through sudden decisions and mass money flow. But there's also the risk that it underwhelms relative to expectations. Local government finances remain a problem and my friends at PRC Macro recently highlighted as an immediate need for additional funding, particularly for central transfer to local governments. We might therefore see more central government bonds issued, partly to help local government debt repayment and partly for low-income consumer support. Neither of these is directly metal-intensive, though. We don't expect a massive uplift in China's metals demand in the second half, particularly given absolute levels aren't bad at the moment, but we do see steady policies of support helping to underpin sentiment. Here's some interesting data that came out over the past week. BNEF's latest insight shows that in the global market, battery electric vehicle models launched in 2022 had an average range of 337 kilometres, and that's up a long way from 230 kilometres five years ago, 2018. As part of this, average battery pack sizes have continued to grow as also companies continue to design vehicles which alleviate consumer range anxiety concerns. On average, we've seen battery size rise about 10% CAGR in recent times. Hence, there's a multiplier over and above fast-growing sales themselves when it comes to battery raw material demand. While we totally understand this bigger is safer approach at present, also believe this to be an inefficient use of raw materials in the longer term. Many of those molecules in the battery just doing nothing over the entire life. So we anticipate a wide portfolio of battery sizes and cathode chemistries to be used in future years, with the average battery size increase slowing as a push towards mass market EVs means faster growth in the smaller car segment. Plus, you also have to expect some improvement in battery design for power efficiency. And that's even before the impact of solid state. We've now got Toyota promising a solid state option in models from 2027. That's just around the corner. So this highlights once more the fast-moving nature of the battery sector, which results in a wide potential range of raw material demand outcomes. Moreover, important in alleviating consumer range anxiety will be investment in charging infrastructure and availability of this. Here's another China stat. The country installed 649,000 public chargers last year. That was more than 70% of global installations. And this year's forecast is for 975,000. 
another area China's got the lead in the energy transition. We expect renewed efforts from governments around the world, plus some corporations, to drive grid upgrades over the coming years, which will support copper and aluminium demand for distribution and transmission, respectively. I've been saying for a little bit that alumina might be the worst commodity I cover at the present time. Now, please let me explain why I'm saying this. If we look back at the history of commodities markets, it's shown that wherever China has shifted from a consistent net importer to having enough capacity to play a role in export markets, that is not good for price. That's the situation now facing alumina, where we've seen around 8 million tonnes per annum added by China for the past couple of years. With this... Through the cycle, any material looking to flow into China has to be priced in against domestic tons rather than being pulled through by buyers. And with new Chinese capacity continuing its ramp up, the economics of this are getting more challenging. Add to that, expectations for primary aluminium production can continue to be impacted by scrap growth, and hence this market will now grow slower than that of aluminium semis after a period of outperformance over recent years. With a liquid spot market, any supply disruptions can see prices spike, but the norm looks to be trading into the cost curve. Crew estimates that 39% of global supply was lost making in the first quarter. Just as I started with, that's very much the worst of any market I look at at the present time. Finally this week, one interesting common theme from my recent US marketing trip was the interest in direct reduced iron and the potential impact on the iron ore market. This is something we've discussed for a while. It is crucial for ferrous markets. I'm a big believer in DRI. It's an established transition technology. Gets you half the way there in terms of carbon reduction and buys some time for things like hydrogen blast furnaces, which realistically are over a decade away from commercialization, if not 30 years. We have global DRI output growing from about 120 million tonnes last year to 200 million tonnes by 2030, mainly to support growing flat roll steel production in electric arc furnaces. For the iron ore market, this does mean a growing pellet feed market against a wider iron ore market that is likely in decline. While the 62% FE Sinterfines benchmark index has been dominant for iron ore pricing for the past decade, you do see a 65% pellet feed benchmark getting increasing attention. And with this, certain iron ore suppliers, including the big guys, will need to reassess their future product offerings. I'd also highlight again that the growth in DRI is why we have future iron ore demand not falling as fast as that for Metco. Given DRI plants use gas as a reductant, that is not good for Metco demand. Thank you for listening to Metal Matters. We're here to inform, so any topics you'd like to see covered, do just let me know when I'm back from holiday, please. And join me again soon to discuss more pertinent issues in these ever-changing global metals and bulk commodity markets. That was Metal Matters, presented by BMO Capital Markets Equity Research. You can subscribe to Metal Matters on Apple Podcasts and other podcast providers, or visit our website at researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com to listen to more episodes, including our other podcast series, BMO Equity Research in Tune. If you have feedback or suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please do share it with me at colin.hamilton at bmo.com.
To access our full disclosures, please visit researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com forward slash public hyphen disclosure.